Welcome to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences with building incredible cultures. On today's episode, Ron Lovett sits down with Will Scott. Will is the founder of Culture Czars, the author of The Culture Fix, and the host of The Culture Czar Podcast. And on today's episode, Will speaks to us about the importance of building a values-driven organization. I want to start off, can you tell me how this became a focus for you? How did you get into focusing on culture? Tell us a bit of your story. Yeah, well, it is one of those classic sort of entrepreneurial stories, really. Uh, I've had a couple of companies of my own. They were technology companies. And uh, I always prioritized culture. And uh, I exited my, uh, one of my companies in 2016. And um, some of my friends had seen what was going on. Friends in the Entrepreneurs Organization. I think you're familiar with it, Ron. Yes. They, uh, they, they saw what was going on in my company and said, hey, well, it doesn't feel like that in my company. And I think feeling is the important word there. So uh, could you come and have a look at it? And um, I just started helping out my friends. <laughs> and before I knew it, you know, it became uh, a, a, my third business. Um, I guess it's a consulting business, but I like to think of myself as helping um, CEOs and their leadership teams. And the culture czars in each company help them uh, really, you know, make their culture come alive and uh, thrive so they can use it to drive performance. And now I'm, yeah, now I'm doing workshops. And as you know, the book has come out and um, so I'm speaking a lot on the subject too. And I think it's as important now, of course, as ever in this mm. time, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that, that's awesome. Uh, look, and congrats on the book. I haven't read it yet. I've already ordered a copy. Our team has as well. We're really excited. Um, but I do know that you have this nine deeds and 90 days, wondering if you can walk us through that. And I might, if it's okay, I'll, I might interrupt if there's a topic that I love, I might dig a little deeper. Absolutely. Yeah. So my, my big thing, Ron, is that I, I know, especially on the entrepreneurial community, we have a thirst for learning. And I know most people probably now have core values, you know, um, and if they don't, I certainly have methods for helping them determine those core values. And in fact, in the book, that's the first couple of the 90s are around helping people find, discern their core values. And of and course, that's... D- dig a little deeper there. Tell us, so we've got a company, we don't have any values. What is that? Uh, what practice should we uh, implement to, bring, to, to create them? I'd love to just talk yeah. about that for a second. Well, I use the word discern very deliberately because um, the, idea, you know, the, the best company core values are ones that already exist. So sometimes the company has to have been in business for a little while before they really dig into what the values are. But um, they need to exist, and we just grab the positive ones and, and lift those up. And, uh, you know, people that do that and do that effectively, of course, end up having very strong cultures, and, uh, and the businesses perform better around that. But the way I like to encourage folks to discern their core values is to start generating lists, a list of what the values of the CEO and founder were. And uh, this is not something to devolve entirely to your employees. I definitely encourage CEOs to bring their st- and founders to bring their stamp to it. Um, also, what are your best employees? Figure out what, their, uh, what, what some of their values are. Um, I like to dig into the stories in the company, the, the sort of stories that have become folklore. They tend to demonstrate the values too. And so that's another list. And, um, and then also, you know, what's the lingo? What are the jokes? What, are, what is the kind of feel and what words and what sayings do people naturally use in the company? Make all these lists and then from there, pick the ones that, that really matter. And um, 
don't just pick a word, you know, like people will pick a word like, you know, teamwork, but then have a couple of, um, you know, bullets, if you like, under that, or a couple of descriptive behaviors that say, what do we mean by teamwork in our company? Mm. Uh, do those things and you've got to start. I mean, that's just a start, but you've got to start in terms of at least the words for your dis- 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 describing your culture and defining your culture. I love that. That's great. So back to you. So from there, and that was the, sounds like that was the number one, keep going down the list and we'll jump in uh, to topics as we go. I was about to say that I know a lot of people right, have picked their words. They've gone through some methodology to pick the words, but they tend to just be words on the wall. People don't know how to really make those words come alive and be mm-hmm. part of the culture. And so that's my thing about the nine deeds um, is to help people go from simply having core values to truly having a valued culture, because that's the point, right? That's the point. It's not just to have a poster on the wall. The point is to have a culture where people like working together Mm. um, and they feel so feel some purpose for what they're doing. You know, Mm. they feel they're doing something meaningful for the world. So um, having discerned the core values, if I just sort of step through some of the other nine deeds, having got your core values, having got your poster on the wall, and I'm saying, yeah, do definitely be bold and put that on on the wall, put it on coffee mugs, put it on your website you know, own them, but then do things like, I like to see people bring them alive by doing things like um, associating imagery with them and they can bring the arts to bear there, Um, bring music that you're gonna start your town hall with that is somehow tied to your culture, Um, use characterizations or images or something that help people, help the words come alive, you know, picture tells a thousand words. And um, moving on from there then is to have encourage people to use the words in meetings and in everyday language so they're constantly calling people out for i like to say catching people committing a core value um but they're shout, giving people shout outs for for for, for that um, also have a a nomination program that's one of the healthiest things you can do to make sure that. everyone is proactively nominating a colleague when they for demonstrating a core value which what does what ron creates more stories to be told in the town halls and in the monthly meetings absolutely that help you know just keep the culture alive and thriving yeah and then the rest of the book goes into there the other deeds go into how to hire for for culture which you know a lot of people misunderstand that um, what's some of the strategies here let's jump into that a little bit what are yeah you know i need to i've got my values of a b c how do I hire for those values? What are some of the best strategies that we can help people with? Yeah, well, you know, I, I often like to ask folk, um, people, because uh, they say, oh, I, I, I hire for, for cultural fit. <laughs> I love to say, how do you do that? You know? Right. And mostly it's, uh, um, well, mm, yeah, you know, gut, gut feel. feel. Gut right. feel, yes. <laughs> so, um, but it's really hard to scale a business, you know, if you're hiring on gut feel and relying on, on the CEO. By the way, who's not always right? So um, I like to encourage uh, having a panel of culture czars. These are, your, these are your champions. These are people that score three out of three on all your values and who've been with the company long enough to sort of have, be able to make, you know, make a good judgment and have a set of interview questions in a tabular form, like on a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. And those interview questions, um, one of the things I, I, I do is that, you know, of course you start open-ended and drill down and ask them what their values are and those kinds of things. But some of the things I think are most 
specific around flushing out the, the, the fits is when you ask a, a scenario-based question that is tied to a real story that happened in your company and, and see how they respond to that question and, uh, and then dive, keep diving down, keep asking how and why and so wait, uh, to really get to their values. Yeah, get to past the initial past answer. Situation. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. And then uh, once you've got, you know, if you've got a, a you know, pals, then you're putting all their answers in. And once your culture czars have done this a, a bit, they can get really good at um, at looking for folks that are really would respond in that scenario the way that your best culture fits would. So I there are that, ways Will. to be specific about it too, you know. And there's also yeah. a survey I have which you can send out to your employees that starts mm. that your your candidates that digs into values. So mm -hmm. there's a number of, number of ways to really get more strategic around hiring for cultural fit. That I love the past. Uh, so you're basically saying we've had this challenge. Here's how we dealt with it internally. Uh, actually stopping before how we dealt with it and saying, hey, well, how would you deal with the situation? And then you're going to know where they line up culturally. Yeah, and you've, you've, got, you've got one right answer, Ron. You've got the yeah. answer, the, the, what actually happened you've got mm. one right answer that's that's a real anecdote mm. and so you can measure people against that benchmark that that's wonderful we've we've uh, encouraged our clients to do that kind of from a problem solving workforce standpoint but not on the culture side of that is beautiful that's that's lovely um well i, I wanted to just i wrote a question down as we we're talking you still with me it's a little choppy. I am. I am here. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to follow up with uh, one of my favorite phrases about unhiring because <laughs> to finish on the nine deeds question, Ron. So you've gone through the hiring, but then also, of course, you've got to be measuring people for their fit, your existing employees, and unhiring ones that that perhaps are not a fit. Will, have you lost me? No, I can hear you. Can you hear oh, me? Yeah. Can you can you actually before we go to unhiring and I want to get back there. Can we go to onboarding? Because that is going to be the natural next step. Oh, yeah, so which is the step hired... from recruitment. Yeah, let's talk about that, and then let's go back to unhiring. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, as, as an extension then of, of that kind of uh, hiring or recruiting process, um, and one of the final steps I like to encourage folks to do is to go to dinner and send your culture czars to dinner with your candidate and um, just dive in a little bit there and see how are they naturally behaving just around a relaxed dinner situation. That's where you're trying to, you're trying to get them to relax and see if their true self comes out. What are their values that they're representing then? But sorry, Will, is this during the interview process? They're already hired now. This is the final stage of the hiring okay, process. Okay, got it. Yeah, and I would say do it when they almost think they've got the job. And they're kind of letting their guard down and they're trying to get a little bit chummy. Right. <laughs> you know, um, just as a final step um, in, in the interviewing process. In fact, I go through four, four steps in, in the book around, around hiring for culture. But I think your question, Ron, Ron was around onboarding. Correct. Yeah. So, so I love that right before when they're comfortable, uh, they, they do let their guard down. They think they're in. They, they will probably, in most cases, especially in that environment, which you discussed, this is my natural, authentic self. I yes. love that. So, yes. I, so if you like me, great, I'm hired. Yeah. Walk me through. Right. Well, then, you know what? I take a leaf out of Jack Daly's book, um, which is you, you make that first day for your employee, the, that new recruit, the most memorable day of their lives, you know? 
Um, Jack talks about having balloons on the chair and certainly having their whole environment all set up and ready to go. And, um, you know, you're welcoming them and you're making them feel uh, welcome and, and, and a part of the team. And I like, you like to use the analogy here of um, joining a sports team. Let's say you've got a high-performing sports team, you know, and there's only 11 players on a soccer team, but you introduce a new player. It's kind of an intimidating situation for that player because he's got to fit, he or she's got to figure out how to fit in and make, and, and make a success of things. Right, right. And the most important thing to someone's performance in that situation is to make them feel safe. Right. So you make them feel welcome, but really what you're doing is making them feel safe. And um, that is huge for culture of any kind is do people feel safe to be themselves, to express. And if they can, then they're going to give you of their best. But think of the opposite of that, where people are, in, are intimidated or unsure and are getting a, a bad vibe. They're not going to bring their best. They're not going to perform at their, at their greatest. So that's why I think day one is so important. And of course, is to continue to that feeling of, of safety, which uh, we, we're all, in, I believe we're all entitled to in, in, in our work so that we can be ourselves. And, and, and of course, if, we, if it doesn't feel right, then we should unhire ourselves and go to a culture right. where we can feel great and, and perform at our best. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, because this comes up a lot, I believe. I think that in some cases, unfortunately, mm -hmm. culture still smoke and mirrors, like you mm -hmm. refer to. It's on the wall. I may not live it as the founder CEO. The organization may or may not, depends on, on uh, what lane people are in. How do you advise the employee who's joined the company, bought into this, the, this, this, the fact that the cult, you know, that, that there is a strong culture, there are these values that are lived, and then they see that the manager doesn't live those values. How, how, what do you suggest to the other side? How do, they, how do they approach that? What do they do? Yeah, well, I like to think, um, so I talk about grading everybody in the company on their core values. And it's a simple thing you, you give, and it's just, do they demonstrate this value all the time, most of the time, some of the time, or none of the time? And you give them a three through zero on that score. Easy, love it. Yeah, and if you do that, it goes, so you put all your employees down the left-hand side and your values across the top of the, the spreadsheet, fill it all out, and then sort by the score, right? So if you've got five values and the maximum score is three per value, that's a score of, and um but if they're getting uh so, so you know obviously a score of 15 is, is great right they'll be green but then if you get a score of fives or sixes or sevens that should be a red and you really got a question whether that person should be there not questions because it's all you've already been told that not they're not really a culture fit should they be there and ron this i believe applies whether they're whether they're it's a, a, a manager like in your question you asked about um you know what if it's a, the manager not doing it the manager's not a fit. You've really got to question whether it'd be better for the culture to unhire that, that individual and hire someone who is a great fit. And 99% of the time, I believe people that hesitate to make that decision, when they eventually make that difficult decision, then, you know, then things turn around. Mm -hmm. Everyone goes, just breathes a sigh of relief that that misfit is, is, is no longer there and they can mm -hmm. really start to go forward with that great feeling again, you know? Mm -hmm. um, my, my scoutmaster used to say that if you have 10 peanuts and one of them is bad and you eat them all together, they all taste bad. 
Mm. Right, and it's the same in a company. One bad cultural fit can drag down everybody else. So talk to me about coaching. I love the grading system. Uh, do you, you represent it all the time? Never, the, you know, sometimes that, 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 that I, I think that's a great system. Yeah. And it seems simple enough anyhow. What, if, what are those who don't grade well? What does the coaching look like? Yeah, I've, th thank you. Um, and you're right, it is a simple system. So people tend to have like a gut feel, going back to that word about somebody, you know, as a question mark. But there's nothing, and I've done this with leadership teams so many times, you do it in the, in the boardroom and you put up the spreadsheet and you grade your employees and sure enough, they go, yeah, I, I always had that feeling. I just wasn't kind of owning up to it, you know? So the Reds, we on hire because you're probably not going to change them. No amount of coaching is going to, is going to probably right. turn them into, into cultures ours. Right. So, so, um, but it's the, it's the ambers or the yellows, the folks in the middle have this sort of kind of average score um, that are maybe are good technicians in the role, but just not, you know, and, and so what you do with them is you sit down and you have a conversation, you step through the core values and you literally give them feedback about how they are perceived by everybody else on that particular value. So going back to our one of teamwork, what do we mean by, by teamwork at our company? Well, our descriptive behavior is, you know, we, we um, help our teammate before we help ourselves, something like that, it might be. So you're having that conversation with that individual and saying, listen, an observation that we're making here is that, you know, you're getting a lower score on teamwork because we, at times when we have to jump in and work as a team, we see you kind of playing lone cowboy and sticking to yourself and you're kind of helping get yourself done, but that's not our value here. You know, right. what do you think about that? Do you think this is a great environment for you or, or is there, you know, a culture that might be a better fit for you? You're literally having that conversation. And so, so I want to play that back to you. It sounds mm -hmm. like, you know, um, reinforcing the value and then uh, asking the individual basically back to almost the interview style, does that land with you? How do you feel about that and, and making sure that there's alignment? Absolutely. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, I've, I've done it and I do encourage folks to usually if, if they're an amber or, or a yellow, then, um, you know, they're, hopefully they're scoring well on a couple of values. So you talk about those first. Hey, listen, you're really perceived as being great on this on this value of, you know, um, of uh, <laughs> what could it be? It might be, you know, but, Continuous improvement. Yeah, it's something like that. So, um, so, you, so you give them, you know, a couple of deposits around the values where they're performing, but then you give them the feedback on the values where they're not. And um, I think in that case, there is a good chance that they just didn't realize and that they can step up. And then when you grade them next time, you give them, you know, you see if they have, have improved. So that's the conversation. Mm -hmm. The coaching part then, of course, is uh, so that's how you kick, kick it off. But then, as you say, you need to coach them with encouraging them. So as soon as you see them make a decision that's different from these to make before and they act, so they jump in and help the team out, for example, instead of prioritizing their own work, then you lord them for that. You lift them up for that. And then that helps them very quickly, re you know, uh, endorse that behavior and, and, and get on the on. on on the uh, and there's, I guess there's other coaching things you can do too. Of course, if they're not performing, um, you, you would sit down and have the conversation again. But, um, and, 
And if you do this as a team, then the whole team can know, for example, like the sales team may know that somebody is, 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 is having this conversation and they can also be a part of the coaching and, and help them perform. So it froze for a second. Can you just end the last part of that when you were talking about coaching? It just froze a little bit. Well, could you mind rewinding? Yeah. So um, I was saying that once you've had that conversation yeah. that hopefully uh, resets and gives them the feedback that they deserve, um, then what do you do to continue? Well, coaching would entail recognizing when you see them make that different behavior, that you lift them up for that. You recognize that. And that helps reinforce for them what you mean by them making a different behavior. So instead of prioritizing their own work, they jumped in and, and helped, helped the team you know, uh, mm -hmm. when, when called upon. And I think people can very quickly uh, get with that kind of a, a change in behavior. Uh, and then of course the whole company go, moves forward when you do that across the board and you get people to, to, to work to the values. Love it. Uh, one more question, then I'm going to rewind to something else. Let's, let's go right to the end, uh, Will. I'm the subject matter. I've, I've scored red. I am not aligned with the values. Walk us through that conversation of it's time to go. Walk us through. Thank you for asking that because, again, people hesitate, don't they, to have that difficult conversation. Absolutely. And, and to unhire that individual that is, you know, definitely... Uh, having a negative effect on the culture. And I love your peanut and, analogy, by the way, that was beautiful. <laughs> yes. So, uh, but listen, the core values empower all those difficult conversations and people just don't use this basic simple thing enough. Um, and this is not just for the unhiring conversation, but the core values should empower all the difficult conversations and enable a junior person in the company to call out the CEO on if, if they are not, representing a value, a stated value of the company. But in the unhiring conversation, and I've done this, you literally get in a room with that individual, step through the values and say, listen, this is our observation. You know, is that this is not a value that you've aspired to and give them examples of how you saw them not demonstrating that behavior. They can't really argue with it. And then right. you just stop for a minute and you ask them, how do you feel? You know, does this seem like a, a value is, are we interpreting this the wrong way? And if they really are a red and they're scoring low on all the values, you step through those values. And I've done this myself in my own companies. That employee will then unhire themselves. They will say, right. maybe you're right. Mm. Maybe this is not the right place for me. And I should go, you know, find a culture that is a better fit. Or I should be a, a solo entrepreneur working from home. Um, and I, so it's easy to get agreement on that. And suddenly the conversation is not that uncomfortable. Hey, you're fired. I hate that word, you know, because I think as leaders and entrepreneurs, we need to own some of the responsibility for that hiring mistake that we made. And so it's an unhiring, it's an uncoupling and make that a respectful conversation using the core values. And then you don't have to wait six months, you know, get in that room, you know it's, it's, it's time. Get in that room and do it right now. <laughs> so three things jumped out, uh, Will. Preparation. Um, yep. Really uh, letting them give their side of where, you know, once you've prepared, you've presented these things, letting them 
um, mm-hmm. have their side of, you know, are, is there a misalignment? Was there a yes. misunderstanding? And then third is just compassion. Yes, absolutely. And allow pauses, you know, allow silence so that they can say whatever's on their mind yes. in that conversation. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm going to go back. Uh, you, you talked about people want to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that typically would be built through, I feel safe after I have trust in the organization and I have some trusted relationships. Do you agree? Well, I think that's certainly one way and the way it happens in, in, in a lot of companies. Yes, it takes a while. But so I we believe- create the safety. Yeah, something that can accelerate that feeling of safety is absolutely the core values speech, which, you know, the CEO or hopefully somebody senior is doing. You're on a kind of a slip uh, where you literally go through the core values and explain to them what it's like here. And at the end of that, they should start it. They should be feeling safe, you know, or safer than if you simply just, hey, you know, here's your desk, go at it. Um, so, you know, l- let's, let's give an example of that. I mean, let's say again on that teamwork thing that I'm saying, hey, new employee, you know, here at XYZ company, we have a value of teamwork, which to us means that we don't just prioritize ourselves, we prioritize the team. And, you know, if there's some, some little thing that, that we all need to jump into, then we stop what we're doing and we help others out. And so this is what that looks like. That should mean you should feel empowered to stop your work and help somebody at, at a moment's notice. And don't worry about your supervisor chastising you for that because our value is, you know, team first. So, Got it. you know, by the time you step through and do all of those things, you're, you're literally empowering them to behave in a way that's in concert with your culture. And you're telling them what it looks like to be safe. Um, and da- Daniel Coyle actually really, uh, in his book, The Culture Code, really um, covered this very effectively. Great book. Great yeah. book. And he talked about everything from Navy SEALs to, you know, basketball college, coaches. College, that's right, basketball mm-hmm. teams and so on. And um, again, this is feeling this, this idea that make people feel safe. So, um, yeah, I, I love it. But I don't think many people are thinking that way when they hire a new person, which is why I'm so pleased you asked that question about the mm-hmm. onboarding, Ron. And so tell me more about, because I'll stay in the safe zone, you know, building a relationship. What are some of the best tactics for building a relationship? What what should leaders be thinking about with a new individual to make them feel safe to build that relationship? What are some of your thoughts on that? Well, I think one of the simplest things we can do is, um, and I'll I'll use the, uh, the Zulu greeting phrase here of Saubona, which basically means when they say that, it is their, their greet, their hello greeting, but they really, it means, Ron, I see you. And not just I see you, you know, and, and, and a casual kind of passing high, but I really see you, the human that you are. Right. And um, the, the response greeting in Zulu there is Yebu Saubona, meaning I see you seeing me. So I think one of the most fundamental things we can do in the office is not just, or even remotely now, now that we're, a lot of us are working, you know, in this current time, we're working remote and on Zoom and things like that, is just take the time to really acknowledge and make sure that you are seeing that person. And it's different from the casual heart passing high in the hallway. You know, it is a real, 
hey, and then so having, having done a, a meaningful greeting, asks us a simple question like, hey, you know, and I like to say, not how are you, because you're just going to get a fine, <laughs> you know, but ask, how are you feeling today? Right? right now, this doesn't right. come natural to all CEOs, I know, because we're all hard charging, you know, kick ass types. But if you can ask your employee, hey, how are you feeling today? Maybe you'll get a different answer and a more meaningful one. And then listen and care to the follow up. Oh, and then I like to ask too, what are you working on? When they say, hey, and then ask something to show you've listened. Ask one more follow up question um, that says, that shows that you've listened and you care and you're interested in their work. Right. Now, right. How long does those sort of four or five questions take, Ron? Maybe does it take three, three minutes? No. Oh, right. The conversation. Sure. Yeah, but yeah. this question. Yeah. That's right. And, and in three minutes now, you can really make somebody feel acknowledged, make them feel like their work is worthwhile, and give them a whole different feeling in their day than simply you've got your coffee and your iPad and you're rushing to your next meeting and you're saying hi, you know, in the hallway. And of course, use people's names. Say hi, Ron. <laughs> hi, right. Will. You know, um, so I think those are some of the basic things that it's just very inexpensive, very little use of time, but can just help somebody feel better. And then, of course, there's lots of other things, too, about, you know, encouraging people. Um, uh, uh, one of the things that one of the most undervalued things we do is is recognizing people's work. When people do good work, let them know it, you know, and uh, one of the big needs that's often expressed in all the research polls run by employees is, how am I doing? Just how am I doing? Isn't that crazy? People don't know how they're doing and, and they've all got a boss. You think that boss could just very informally just be letting people know how they're doing. So those are some of the basic things that I think uh, are often um, not you know, paid enough attention to. Mm -hmm. and, and look, in the landscape right now, you know, making sure your values are solid when everyone's working remotely. Is there any pivots to the, the original strategy um, or anything we're layering on top that you're talking to your customers about on how to continue to live a value culture in a time of crisis? Uh, I'll open up for you on that. Um, yes, I completely. I like the way you phrased the question because actually, yes, I would really like people to keep doing the same things that they're doing now that we're remote working, um, because you know, the values should apply whatever the situation is. So um, yes, yeah, some of the things that I've already talked about, I encourage people to do in this situation too. And maybe you need to be a little bit more deliberate, but we also have um, an environment where it's a little easier now. If we're doing one-on-ones and we're getting zoomed into people's homes, you know, um, and there's art on the wall or there's, you know, in, like in your case, you, you, I'm guessing you're into maybe cycling, Ron. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just art on the wall here. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, I definitely encourage people to use video, not just the phone. I think Zoom is a fantastic product and I'm glad Zoom is handling the massive up, upload on their service that they must be having right now. But uh, I, I've, I've, I've been talking about people using video and Skype, you know, for probably 10 or 15 years. And I still, right, yesterday I was right. on a call and there were, all the guys had their cameras on, Ron, but the women didn't, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Now, we all, I believe, have to get comfortable just being on, 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 on a camera because this is how we're going to be doing a lot of communication, mm. short term and long term. And it is really healthy. It makes a much more meaningful 
Um, like I would never interview, interview somebody over the phone if I can do it over Zoom. So um, yeah, some of the things to do now that we're working from home is definitely have your camera on. Um, it's a great time to check in and say, you know, how, of course, how are you doing? Um, I, I was doing one yesterday and I got to meet um, my customers' uh, kids, you know, wow. because they're home too. And then he said, he brought, he said, wait, hey, come and say hello to Will. He brought them in to say hello to me. So I think there's awesome opportunities and positives that come from this that we would never have had if I was just seeing that client in the office every day, each time. I love so, that. Yeah. So there's, there's cool things like that. Um, and then, but otherwise just checking in on how people are doing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and and Great. and offering to help right in times like this we just offer help mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. lovely um let's talk uh you know there's a lot of talk these days uh well on building a culture of learning and innovation mm. are you hearing lots of that are you um suggesting people do that and if so how how do we do that you know what's interesting about that is about a month ago, I saw this study that showed that culture is the biggest factor in on innovation. And of course, a great culture that is, that is promoting innovation tend to be more innovative, I guess, naturally. But um, culture is a big factor with innovation. And again, I think part of it is that, are we encouraging, you know, do we allow people to make mistakes, for example? And do we allow people to try stuff out? Cultures can be very, very different like that. Some cultures are very, very rigid. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, and this is, you know, and, and therefore they are less creative, less inventive. And you so, say that's okay. That's the culture. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's right. Yeah. So if, if they are a cult, if they're a company that is just focused on, you know, commodity type activities where th then maybe they don't need a lot of innovation you're right i guess they don't need to but i, th I think there's still opportunities for us as, especially in times of crisis <laughs> to to be more innovative and um to do that we need to actively have a culture that allows makes people feel safe mm. allows mistakes maybe is promoting it deliberately like google time off or you know um putting r d dollars behind it of course there are things like that too but um uh, yeah, I think uh, more than ever, we need a culture of, of learning and innovation. And mm -hmm. there are ways that we can encourage that. And there are ways that we discourage it with certain behaviors as well. Okay, love that. Lots of talk these days in tapping into people's strengths. You hear Marcus Buckingham doing lots of these, you know, what brings you energy or drains your energy. What are your thoughts on that? I'm really connecting to the individual and aligning them. Yes, um, I, I, I don't know if you've been around as long as I have, Ron, but I remember my first uh, reviews that I was getting in, in, in sort of large, in a large corporation in the, let me think, in the 1980s, um, where the, the review form, literally, they would have, have a, a, a section for strengths and a section for weaknesses. And they would spend a little bit of time on the strengths, but most of the time was on the weaknesses, you know, what you needed to do to, to improve right. your weaknesses. Right. And now, and Marcus Buckingham has made it popular, you're right. But now, fortunately, we're smarter than that. And we say, no, play to people's strengths and get somebody else to do those things that that individual might be weak at that is their strengths. So imagine if all of us are, are, are playing to our strengths 
um, and therefore doing things that we like doing. We're also more likely to be doing things we're good at. And so you might more like to have a high-performing culture if you're playing to people's strengths. And um, that just was a great, you know, his tools was just a right. great way of, of giving companies and entrepreneurs a way to, to, to actualize that in, in, the, in the company. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, and I love that exercise of what, what because it's very subjective. It's not object, uh, objective in some cases, what drains or gives your energy. I, I like yeah. how he's positioned that. That's right. And what about organizational alignment? You know, my past uh, life in the private security um, industry with offices right across the country, uh, from one side of the country to the other, um, trying to get alignment from the front lines to the boardroom was really challenging. What are you seeing to help with that process? Uh, because there's different conversations at the boardroom and, and in some cases, multiple layers as you get to the ground. How are, how are we getting aligned in an organization that has multiple layers? Yeah, well, I think again, um, the, the more, I think the more disparate your workforce is and the more, um, the more layers you have. And th th this makes me think actually of a podcast I did, Ron, um, with um, the CEO of uh, California Closets, which was a franchise business. And he really cared about the fact that his franchisees employees now imagine that had how, how, how removed they are from him right he was a fast-going company franchisees all over the world i think okay. and um so he has no no real kind of control over who those franchisees are, are hiring and how they're doing it but he made culture in other words his values the number one thing and he talked about that relentlessly that was his number one job was to keep reinforcing the values of California right. Closet so that whoever went into a home representing his brand, they did it in a way that represented his values. And he was very successful at it. So I think the more kind of diverse or, or, or geographically disparate you are, the more effort the CEO in particular has to bring to, to the values. And so it's going out in your newsletter, it's going out in all your franchisee or, or you know, or your regional management um, uh, handbooks and, and uh, protocols. And also you're making it a mission to, to get around and to have those one-on-one -on -one conversations mm -hmm. and at your annual meetings, at your quarterly meetings, you're constantly reinforcing the values. And how do you reinforce them? You lift up the stories, the successful stories that people had. So, you know, the, the, the companies that were living the values we're building more closets, you know, and growing right. faster. There was the data to support it. Keep telling those stories. Yeah. So-and-so went into the home and represented this value and came, you know, and, and, and it works. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, that, that was an exciting story for me to find that example of somebody because mm. I often wondered just, you know, how easy is it? And with contractors, some people think contractors, part-time workers, can they be a part of the culture? Absolutely. You need to make it your job to make them feel just as much a part of the culture. Beautiful. Mm. Um, and so the world's changing so fast. You know, you've got folks uh, like Vern Harnish. We certainly adapted this internally. We scrapped five-year planning right or wrong. We just said things are moving too fast. We've been planning for the quarter. Some organizations, um, I believe, aren't built for change. Yeah. It's, it's one of our values, continuous improvement and change and being comfortable with the unknown. 
it feels like those, especially today, where things are moving every two hours, if that's not built, if you don't have a culture of change, you could be in trouble. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? And also, what do we do to develop a culture of change? Yeah, well, I think it definitely helps if you've got existing in your values, stated values, some things that encourage, you know, change or speed or innovation, or if you've already got that in your DNA that you're encouraging, then that's definitely going to help you help you cope. Um, but, you know, I, I think, the, again, the greatest thing, it's a test of a leader, isn't it? It's a test of Absolutely. a leader. And, and, and that's what really matters. Um, and if I can just sort of go off topic for a, for a minute, thinking about where culture goes wrong. And uh, so, you know, you think of some of the great scandals we've had lately, whether it's Wells Fargo or Boeing or, you know, where... Theranos. Are, uh, who? Theranos, the blood drop company. Theranos, absolutely. Right. Uber. I mean, there's all kinds of very um, high profile examples of companies who have a stated value. For example, Boeing have a stated value, you know, about safety. Nothing compromises safety at Boeing, right? Well, apparently they weren't living up to that, or at least right. some people weren't. So I believe that the leaders, the CEOs, the managers, those guys, they kind of took their eye off that ball. It was words on the wall. It wasn't really part of the culture. Because if it was really part of the culture, I believe that those folks that tried to hoodwink the FDA would not have done that. And they would have felt empowered, regardless of budget, to live by that value and be a whistleblower, if you like, and say, no, you know, we state that nothing compromises safety at Boeing. And um, so look what happens, you know, Wells Fargo is another great, I mean, there's just so many examples right. of that. So at times of great change, you know, great leaderships, and I think even in cultures that really are not built for change, great leadership and great messaging still can re-energize that. Um, you, you said yourself, things are changing so quickly and scrap the five-year plan. One of my values at Culture Zars is Churchillian. That's the, that's, that's the core value. And we have some descriptive behaviors under that, like, um, like uh, stoic, being stoic, um, reliability, um, uh, ex exuberance, you know. So, so representing values here at Culture Zars, but one of the things that Churchill did, of course, a great wartime leader, was um, uh, he said, um, you know, you, you, in a crisis, you, can only, you can't plan a long way ahead. You have to kind of just plan very short term and keep responding to the short term, you know, changing situation. Right. And uh, so I think leadership is the best thing you can bring to any corporation that is um, undergoing a lot of change right now. And, and the, what do they talk about? Talk about the values. You know, the values are going to keep people together, keep people doing of the performing of their best, making people and helping reduce the fears that people are having. You know, mm -hmm. I, I see I'm seeing it right now, actually, within my family and um, and broader than that. I'm seeing some people just soaking up the negative news and going down, going one way and other folks that are just helping people see that the, the positive and that we're going to get through this. We really are seeing people are on one side of that <laughs> right. or the other. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, la last kind of topic, and then we'll wrap. 
change management, you know, lots of discussion around that. I believe it is tied to culture. If you have a, a, a culture that will allow that or will maybe not allow that or empower it or help it, how do you think culture uh, ties into change management? What are some of the things we should be thinking about? Yeah, well, um, you know, it, it, again, so let's, uh, if you've got values of, let's say, of teamwork that really are, and people, you do see people prioritizing team, then in a time of great change, you know, people will rally around each other. Um, you know, um, I, I'm curious about what's happening to Southwest Airlines right now, because they're a great example of a company that is, um, you know, has outperformed all the other airlines. And their values, you see their values every, you know, if you fly on Southwest Airlines, you see the flight attendant representing the, 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 the Southwest Airlines values. And as I understand it, if, if, there's, if there's somebody on the crew that has a personal issue, the rest of the crew will do something to help that, that, that crew member out, you know, and it's the same on, on the wheels up crew. I mean, it, it, they help each other out. So their, their values are so ingrained that they live them. So I think that's true in a, in a time of change for a company. Again, you can draw on the core values to get the best behaviors out of people. Right. So. Yeah, it's, it's a bit like, you know, um, core values, it, it, it's, I often refer to the US Constitution, Ron, as, uh, as a great example of a set of core values. Imagine how this company, this country would coexist without those, those, those values in America, and I'm sure you have something similar in Canada, <laughs> but um, those are the compass that kind of, you know, all the laws come from and that people go back to. Uh, in, in times of crisis. And I believe they're probably doing it right now. They do it in good times and they do it in bad times. We look to, to those. It's, it's the compass, the true north, if you like, for the country. And companies can have that too, that the core values can describe the behaviors that we want to see when things are going great and when things are very challenging. Well, uh not next week, but I believe the following week, uh, Sherry Perez is on our advisory uh, board and we're hope from Southwest, we're hoping to have her on. Oh, really? She's got time, so you have to watch for that because she'll have the answers to those questions of how they're dealing with it uh, today. And so watch for that. Yeah, very cool. And I bet you Southwest's model is going to, you know, they will come through this stronger than most airlines probably, not just because it's a smart and well-run business, but because they have a great culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, last final thought, if, if companies, because there's a broad uh, array of topics here and some people don't know where to start, if you had to leave them with one thing to focus on, just one thing to get your culture right, what is it? Well, I think it, it, it is hard because, gosh, I've heard some terrible things, you know, about entrepreneurs having to let 100% of their workforce go. I've heard of multi-million dollar companies going to zero overnight. You know, so there are some very, very difficult environments and I sympathize with every leader. I've been there myself. I sympathize with every leader and that's having to make those difficult decisions and all those employees that, you know, suddenly find themselves in a matter of weeks in a situation they never anticipated and having to cope with all of that. So, you know, I think ultimately, if you're talking about values, the best value we can have at this time is, is, is empathy. I, I, don't, I think it's better, probably better than sympathy, but empathy. Yes. And the best thing we can do is just offer help, right? We can all help. Um, I, right now, I know I'm 
of helping my clients and I'm not expecting any payment. I just want to be there for them now. They were there for me, you know, over the years and I'm there for them now and I don't expect payment. Um, I'm just want to help them and I want to help them do the best they can for their employees. And um, sometimes they just want someone to talk to and sometimes they want actually want to help with strategy. So, uh, and, and, and how do they cope it at this time? Um, so, uh, yeah, I think really that's the one thing is be empathetic and offer help. 